1: So hello there guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you guys are doing well and staying safe and a lot has been going on in the F1 world behind the scenes. We've got the teams now starting to reveal what dates they're going to be unveiling their new challenges for 2023 but of course that is all going to be happening in February. We're still well into January, and there's plenty of F1 news still doing the rounds. And we recorded an episode quite recently for you guys regarding the prospective entries of not only Andretti, but also we talked about Pamphera and other pers- prospective entries like Hyundai or Ford or even Honda to certain degrees and potential other outfits there looking to get into Formula One. And of course, the obvious obstacles they'd have to overcome, the application process, and a little bit more of that detail. So, of course, if you haven't checked that out, I definitely recommend that you do. But following that, there have been a few murmurs, a few unsettled voices from within the F1 paddock and F1 as a whole, which may not necessarily be as supportive of a new entry coming into the sport to the detriment of what the fans would want of course but there's a lot to unpick from this and this could well be the political storm that we get for 2023. Joining me on this episode of the podcast we had him for the Andretti episode and I'm really excited to have him back to talk about this story in a little bit more detail. It's F1 journalist working specifically for Planet F1 Sam Cooper. Sam first of all thank you so much for coming back on the show. How are you doing today?
0: Yeah I'm very well thanks yeah thanks for having me back.
1: And uh, obviously, you know, we were talking about the Andretti episode before. Of course, we talked about Panferra as well, where you had a great sit down with their prospective owner and obviously how they wanted to get into the sport. This story that's brewing right now, this political storm that we could be getting for F1 and the FIA in 2023 this obviously could potentially either benefit or hinder new teams coming into the sport right now. I do want to focus primarily on Andretti if we can, but I suppose the ramifications of this story could affect other new entries coming in as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I think Andretti had been the public face of it, but um, from my understanding, there's at least five or six teams that have applied or are in the process of applying. So I think, yeah, Andretti is sort of the face of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if a few more names start propping up popping up to now and when we find out who they are, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I'm just looking back through my phone. I should have been better prepared for this. It shows <laughs> how good a job I am at the, doing this sort of thing. Um, I mean, Mohamed Bin Salayam, the president of the FIA, he, a couple of weeks ago, put out an informal expression of interest. And we should say informal because it wasn't an official one by the FIA. But he basically tasked new prospective entries into the sport to try and prepare themselves for an application to come into the sport and this was met largely by a lot of positive uh, feedback from fans and a lot of F1 journalists like yourselves and podcasters like me for example at the the prospect of a new team coming in and obviously straight away we had Andretti, Michael Andretti, Mario Andretti leading that charge of new teams coming in, putting out an announcement with a partnership with General Motors and Cadillac for a prospective F1 entry and obviously Everybody was excited about this. This was a proper American entry coming into the sport, potentially a manufacturer team as well, the likes of which we hadn't seen since, uh, you know, the days of Ferrari, Williams, Mercedes, for example, just to, you know, name a few. And on the surface, it seemed like it was going to be pretty good. A lot of us were thinking, how is this going to go wrong? It seems to be a great thing coming forward. And hopefully this is something that may turn into a reality in the next few years. After that, we did get a tweet recently from Mohamed Ben Salaim again saying that he welcomed the news of Cadillac and Andretti's partnership and the FIA looks forward to further discussions on the FIA World Championship Expressions of Interest process. But he did go on to say that he was surprised that there had been some adverse reaction to this bid. From Cadillac and Andretti and that the FIA had accepted the entries of smaller, more successful organisations in recent years. And we should be encouraging prospective F1 entries from global manufacturers like General Motors and far abed races like Andretti and others. And interest from teams in growth markets adds diversity and broadens F1's appeal. Of course, I'm paraphrasing the quote from Ben Salahim there. But I guess I have to ask. Were you surprised to see that from Mohammed Ben Salahim, Sam? Because like you said, like many other fans, I was a bit surprised to see there was some negative reaction because overall it seemed to be quite positive.
0: Yeah, um, I think what we as fans on the outside doesn't always relate to what the teams feel. I think that's the general consensus really because obviously everything that we look at in the sport is from a sporting context. So like, I think it's often said, a lot of the fans would agree that 12 seems to be the right number that fans want. but if you are a Formula One team, uh, team owner and you get a slice of uh, pie that's been ten, cut ten ways, you're not going to want to split up another two ways. So, yeah, I think that it wasn't that surprising to see. I mean, we've heard it; we heard it all through last year. Really, as soon as the Andretti bid sort of became public knowledge, and like of they were exploring, like I think we heard from. Well, Toto Wolf has been leading the way. Really, sort of explaining that we're not just going to accept anyone because of the name, which is fair enough because it's Andretti, but. He's always maintained that they want to see this value added to F one. What can what can this new team bring that sort of makes up for the loss they'll make by um, having another team in? And I think yeah, the way Mohammed Ben Salim's acted has not been perhaps what people expected. I think people within F one certainly weren't expecting the president to tweet out basically a call out like a UFC call out on Twitter against F one. But um, yeah, it's been a very odd situation. I think there's it seems like a bit of a power grab from the FIA. I think they've had a few years of sort of being the bad guys of the sport, or if that makes sense. So sort of, we think of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in 2021, that was, that went down to the FIA, whereas F1 in the whole is like, it's gone from strength to strength, really, hasn't it? If you think of the races they've added, the sports growing more and more. So I think this is sort of the FIA's way. I think this is all speculation, of course, like no one's actually told me this is, this is what they're planning, but I think, the FIA have sort of seen this as their opportunity to get the fans back on the side, so if they think okay, here's this Andretti beer, here's a team that a lot of fans like, especially very big in America, obviously, with the series they do over there, if we can sort of be the cheerleaders for them, we can sort of get them onto the grid, and we can show that we were the ones that did that, and like, achieve that, and if they go on to win championships or races or whatever, like, the FIA can be like, we were the ones that helped get them in, so I think, yeah they just seem to be a bit of, I think I've previously described it as a civil war, like the FIA and F1 seem to be at different ends of the agreement, let's say, like a different... They're not very in line with each other at the moment. I think the FIA very much lean towards more teams entering the sport, but then again, they're not as beholden to the current teams as FOM or F1 are, yeah. So, like, it's a difficult situation. I think everyone's got their own personal interests. I think everyone... Some of it's money, some of it's sporting, some of it's they want to get more power. But, yeah, I think... It's a tricky mess, really. There's no right now there's no obvious example of a like, obvious yeah, obvious example of what's gonna happen, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, even F1, if we take that as a separate entity, because you've kind of got that the whole trinity of Formula One, if you like, where you've got the FIA, you've got F1 and you or FOM and you've got the F1 teams as mm-hmm. a separate side. And the F1 and the F1 teams tend to align with each other on a lot of these political issues, if you like, um, mostly owing to the financial structure and the stability of the sport, particularly during the pandemic, which F1 quite openly owed a lot of that to the F1 teams and how they were managed to able to cope in those difficult situations and drive up that growth and expansion of revenue. And obviously the expansion, we talk about areas like uh, America, obviously the market growing there, but looking at F1's response, they also were very lukewarm at best. I remember reading this um, and seeing it on social media and You know, it it mentioned that there were other conversations happening, some a bit more private than others on this one, and they needed to make sure that the championship was never undermined. And I think this was a point that they highlighted specifically. They never actually had any direct coverage of the Andretti Cadillac um, news that came out of the blue. Of course, you covered that. F1 was never really involved in that. No coverage from the teams either in terms of their response to this Andretti Cadillac bid. And, you know, it, it surprised a lot of people. Um, you know, the, the suggestion was that everyone seemed to be on board with this. The FIA seemed to be pretty happy about the news, you know, judging Fort Mohammed bin Salim says. But the F1 teams and F1 as a whole, not necessarily fans of this. Um, I mean, for the benefit of those that probably don't really divulge into the political side of F1, or at least the deeper linings of this story, as it as it develops, I should say, why are the F1 teams and F1 as a whole not necessarily overly keen on expanding the grid or this particular bid from Andretti and as a whole who really decides which new teams come into Formula 1 is it as simple as saying Mohamed Ben Salim is happy and then that team is on the grid
0: uh, no he has to get so for a new team to be on the grid they have to have the, both the agreement of the FIA and and F1 in general so even if Mohamed Ben Salim was as happy as Larry of a team bid they're not getting on the grid unless F1 also agrees Um I think you're sort of getting two sides of the line like drawn on this issue. So you've got FIA on one side who sort of are in favour, seem to be really, really support the new teams, especially the Andretti bid. They've been very open about that. But you've got F1 and the F1 teams who sort of on the opposite side of the fence. And I think the main difference is the FIA has no real control of the sports finance. It's like the marketing divisions all through F1 itself, like they're in charge of all that. And like obviously the teams themselves have it profits and they all generate. So they all they're all involved in this the big financial side of f1 which is obviously a massive business and it's growing year by year um i think the main reason that, well yeah the, the main reason new existing teams don't want a new team is because say if you have you get a profit every year this is how much f1's made that's then split up between the existing teams so currently it goes 10 ways so like it's all even it goes 10 different ways they'll get a certain amount if you add an 11th team naturally that's going to make your share if you're an existing team a little bit less and i think i think f1 teams aren't opposed to the idea of new teams joining outright but they want to make sure that they're not losing money so their big argument has always been if you want to come to f1 you've got to show that you have value so what that means is we want to see that you have enough value whether that be with a new new market you're going to bring f1 to whether that's with a big investor whether that's whatever we they want to see that the money you're bringing in is more than we're going to lose with you enjoying the sport and make, essentially cutting our pie an extra way and i think andretti hasn't convinced them of that i think they've always been saying that i think andretti's big goal has sort of been we're the american team we're going to bring america but i think on the flip side there'll be a lot of teams who said I don't know what much more we can do. Like it's been a massive expansion in the US really. Like it's sort of, if Andretti was going to come in saying we're the American team, they've sort of missed the boat a little bit because obviously we've got three races in the US this year. The, these races are getting sold out almost instantly, like more and more fans. If you look at the viewing figures for an F1 race in the US, they, they're shooting up year by year and like, it's just going upwards. So I think there's a very good argument, I think that from the F1 teams that this value they're bringing in it's not going to be that monumental. It's not going to be enough to outweigh the loss they're making of their profits being split up a little bit more. So, yeah, I think when you first hear the news and when you think here, when you sort here, of hear F1 teams being against them, you uh, they sort of come off as the bad guy. But I think if you take a chance to like think about it and peel away the layers a little bit more, it makes perfect sense for the F1 teams not to be too keen on a new member joining if they're not going to prove that they're, Going to get value because let's be honest, like it's an expensive sport to be in. I know there's a cost gap, but even that is an expensive amount, like it's not the cheapest sport to be in. So if you're seeing your your team essentially lose money, I mean, obviously, it's a drop in the ocean for the likes of Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull, but there, there generally is teams on the grid that will notice a massive amount of their profit missing if another team joins. So I can understand it highly why they're not too keen. I think that's the hardest thing that Andretti have got to prove is that they can bring enough value in like I, that, that's one of the is definitely the hardest part of the application process is proving that value because there's no real it's not like the money where you can say look here's our accounts we've got the money to give it to you but this so-called values are much more like subjective term and it's very hard for someone to prove that i mean i don't know what meetings they're having with f1 right now or what what they're trying to show but like there's got to be some way they can show they have the value if they want to get onto the grid
1: well I mean we can get into that in a moment um because I'm glad you brought that up I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up the money side of things because you know by trade I'm an accountant people that watch or listen to this show kind of know that if they've been following long enough and this is one of those topics where I was really able to sort of apply my trade into this and try and do a little bit of digging and try and find out what the picture looks like so if you indulge me for a moment listeners or viewers if you're watching this on YouTube by the way subscribe we're getting closer to a thousand subs so you know help us out on that one um looking at the f1 revenue for 2021 because at this point i don't think they've posted the 2022 figures as of yet it was around 2 billion dollars and the normal split between f1 and the uh, and you know the f1 teams is about 50-50 on this one so of that the f1 teams would have 1 billion dollars to share amongst the rest of them and as you know sam it's not split evenly there are plenty of different um sub um sub conditions i suppose of how that revenue is split between the teams so I think, you know, you mentioned the special payments like the one for Ferrari, the historical payment that is so controversial and everything that comes with that for just being Ferrari and their significance to F1. Uh, whether you're a fan of that or not is up to you guys. You can let me know in the comments if you feel Ferrari should forego that in the next Concord agreement. Probably won't, but you know. <laughs> Uh, it's not revenue that they're missing, as you said, Sam. It's a pocket change almost to them in that regard. But they also have other historical payments to existing champions, the likes of Williams, Mercedes, McLaren, uh, Red Bull. Um, I don't know if Alpine slash Renault fit into that. They probably still do technically as an engine supplier, but um, you, know, you can make your own mind up on that one. So those sort of teams that exist, they still get payments from that revenue split. And overall, that's about 25% of that remaining revenue split. So you end up left with around $750 million left to split based on your performance in the Constructors' Championship. And as we all know, it's not split 10 ways. So it's not $75 million per team. I think the top team gets about about 14%, and it's all the way down to last, gets about 6%. So even if we took it as an even split of $75 million per team, and we didn't have to worry about Constructors' Championship finishes, that's still a fair amount of money It's half well it's just over half of the current budget cap at this point in time but if you took that 200 million anti-dilution fund and you split that evenly between the 10 teams um that only really covers you for a short period of time if a new team comes in and you have to uh, you know an 11th team takes around six to ten million dollars of that split that's usually around about about two or three years of coverage at best, probably three years if we're looking at the upper end of it that that 20 million covers for. So hope you guys are with me so far on this one. The point I'm getting at here is for 2022, the F1 revenue up to quarter three of the financial year, which was only just a few months ago, hence why we haven't got the final figure yet. F1 revenue is already up by this point by half a billion dollars at this point. So obviously that revenue that's going to be split between the teams, 50% of that is 250 million dollars. If we apply that logic to the previous years and the extra money that comes from that, all of a sudden, that $20 million per team does no longer cover them sufficiently for a certain period of time. Because of the added revenue and an extra team would get a slice of that, they're losing even more money out of that. So long story short, guys, I could, looking at that, I can understand why the teams, when they signed the Concord Agreement going up to 2025 a few years ago, they obviously thought $200 million was sufficient. That's no longer the case. And with the continued expansion for 2023 into Vegas and Qatar and, you know, obviously other races that want to get on the calendar, expanding into further markets if they manage to break into the Chinese market, if they have a race in China in the next few years, all of a sudden that $200 million fee, uh, buy-in fee, if you like, for new prospective teams is no longer sufficient to cover, for, um, you know, I mean, if a team brings a tangible benefit into the sport, like a Andretti or Panferra, for example, then great. But there is also that risk right now that they could come into the sport, pay that small fee, if you like, and relatively speaking is small, because obviously it's a lot of money still. Um, I can understand why F1 teams are asking for six, $700 million as much as that, because they want further protection longer term. And right now they're not going to get that Uh, given the current expansion and growth in F1. And F1 expects the market to continue to grow. And and as a franchise, they expect F1 to continue to grow at that rate that it already has been this year compared to 2021. So all of the finance and all of the numbers aside, Sam, based on those figures alone, I can understand more now than probably when I was a few weeks ago when I recorded the first episode with you on this, Mm -hmm. why the F1 teams are definitely looking at this and thinking, the the current terms are no longer sufficient to allow allow a new team into the sport under these circumstances.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think twenty million dollars is obviously a lot to me and you, but like that doesn't go very far in the world of Formula One. Unfortunately, like that will soon run out. That's not a huge amount to um to give to a team. Like I can't work out what percentage of the cost cap it is, but it's definitely not near it. Um, I think from an F one point of view let's be let's be honest like andretti are coming into it maybe because they like they have the sporting integrity they want to be in it obviously mario andretti's a world champion michael raced in it as well but i don't think you should i don't think that should be applied to cadillac or gm really like i think they're trying to get in it, it in it for the money really like they recognize this is a huge potential that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger we've already seen it every year i mean you mentioned some of the figures there like they're getting in it because of the money let's like, let's make let's make you no know, doubt about that but um for the existing teams, I think they can fairly say, look, we've been through COVID in this sport. Like We were the ones who were there. We were the ones who were pulling on races. We were the ones... I think like, F1 was one of the first sports back during COVID, which is mad, really, if you think it's the sport that travels the most around the world. Um, but they can say, look, we've, we've lived through this really hard time in our finances where we didn't even go a race one day, and then suddenly we were. And obviously, all the extra measures they had to, make, to take to make sure it's safe. So I can understand why there's sort of that Reluctance to allow someone in, like having not done the hard work, really, having not made the sport what it is. So, yeah, like. It's fair enough. They can say that this two hundred million isn't enough, really, because I can't remember off the top of my head when the last concord agreement was signed. But it was a lot's changed since then. Like the sport has just gone through the roof in terms of popularity, especially in the US and increasingly so in Asia. So, yeah, I think the concord agreement is sort of date now. I think they could do with updating it. I don't know whether the six hundred million that's been quoted is realistic. If that is a fair amount, because obviously that sort of encourages people not to apply really because that's a big hurdle to get over anyway and it's even after you've completed that it's not cheap to start your own f1 team like that will cost several several times more to get it up and running so yeah i can understand why f1 teams in general aren't convinced either by the value or by the money really like 20 million dollars isn't going to get you very far and they've lived through much worse in covid time so it is a lot of people who sort of wanted to get in on the gravy train i mean I don't think that should be taken away. I think these teams that are applying wouldn't be doing that if it was a sport in decline, if it was a sport that looked like it might be going to business. I think I think and, and just you get a pass, obviously, because they've they've sort of got this racing pedigree, they've got a history of F1. So I can understand yes, there's a money element to them, but I think there will be a part that's generally we just want to compete in this and have an Andretti car in there. But yeah, I think some of the other teams that we're seeing return to the track or come to the track the first time are sort of getting in it, get on it, get in, in it while it's good, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and that's a very fair point. You know, when it comes to racing pedigree, we should never question Andretti's. And there's no, you know, controversy around that, really. I, I, but, I mean, personally, I, I certainly don't believe that um, their racing credentials is at any point in uh, any part of the conversation in terms of whether they should be in the sport or not. Um, I mean, teams can always throw that as an excuse, saying, oh, they've done this and done this, but where are their credentials when it comes to racing in Formula One? Um, I, I, I think that's kind of a moot point in that regard. But in, in terms of, you know, the projected figures and what the teams are kind of suggesting. You know, we mentioned already that anti-dilution fund. I think they really need to find a better name for that quite personally. But, um, you know, looking at the the figures that they're proposing that is suitable for a new team to have to pay to come into the sport, it's quite a high figure. You know, six, seven hundred million dollars is a very high figure. And as you rightly pointed out, Sam, it's probably a figure that may deter entries from coming into the sport because they just don't want to take such a huge hit before they start seeing some sort of tangible benefits or you know on their investment. Do you feel that might be more of a negotiation tactic to set a high figure to the FI to say, well look, this is what we think is actually more suitable to bring them to the negotiation table with the backing of F1 because of course F1 have has you know gone on record in saying that the teams played a huge part in this expansion and more importantly the sustainability of the sport during the pandemic where money was very, very tight and it was obviously a risk at the time where the sport was going to suffer or teams may go out of business. Do you feel overall that with those two entities aligned against the FIA, that that huge anti-dilution figure they're proposing is more one to bring them to that negotiation table to perhaps propose a new updated Concord agreement that could appease not only the teams, but also prospective new entries that want to come into the sport, but not have to fork out almost half a billion dollars just to get in?
0: yeah um correct me if i'm wrong but i think the concord agreement is due to be renewed in 2025 so i wouldn't be mm. surprised if these teams now are sort of setting their stool out really saying this is what we want obviously it's a common negotiation tactic anyway not just in formula one like you, you ask high and you set up for a bit lower so obviously 700 is probably the extreme like i think f1 teams are realistic they know they're never going to get it that high like The FIA won't agree to it. But if you go in saying we want 700 and you come away with 500, it looks better than if you, it looks better for both parties than if you go in saying you want 500 and you come away with 500. That doesn't look great for the FIA. It doesn't look like they tried very hard. But if you start high and sort of find a middle ground, it looks better for both parties. And I think we're getting to that point where teams are still starting to do a little bit of politicking, like they're starting to say, okay, we want this, we want this. So I think often with these things, they're negotiated years before the actual negotiation happens really. So by the time they sit around a table, I think it's pretty clear what each party wants and what is like a suitable middle ground for them really. So yeah, I think I don't think there's going to be immediate change. I don't think they're going to come out tomorrow saying, okay, the new figures this, because A, that wouldn't be fair to the teams that have sort of had these bids going really. Like if you've, if you've been working for years under the assumption that there's a 200 million entry fee and suddenly that gets raised to 500 million, like your whole plan's gone kaput really in in a day. So I don't think it's going to be an instant change, but I do think there is a change coming down the line, really, and that that's I think that's perfectly reasonable. Like it's just in line with the sports popularity and how much the sport brings in. Like I think if a new team gets on the grid, they're going to earn, end up earning more than two hundred million in in the revenue they get. So yeah, I think it's perfectly fair to to bring up these issues that it does need to be raised. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in terms of you know, we've heard people like Toto Wolff quoting saying as much as a billion dollars would probably be the minimum that a team, a new team needs to put up in order to get into the sport. And that includes stuff like the anti-dilution fund, the factory, the facilities, the staff and everything else. I mean, if you include that $600 million figure into it, and I know this is hypothetical at this point, it's not really an accurate number. Um, It's just the one that we've heard a lot in the media from the teams. It's probably a lot more than that. And that does raise concerns, like even if you have the richest of billionaire owners wanting to come into the sport and, you know, the sort of owner that F1 wants to attract in that regard, I can't really see them justifying investing that much money just to put a team on the grid, even if it's a manufacturer team, which of course creates its own opportunity for growth and expansion in the same way that Andretti have been proposing with General Motors and Cadillac. Audi, for example, spent 600 million, I think it was, to buy into Sauber and... Right now, Sam, that probably seems like the more viable option right now for... I know Andretti tried to buy into Sauber themselves and obviously that fell through. And, you know, there have been other teams that may look to be bought into like Williams, for example, with Porsche in the future. You know, this is purely speculation at this point. It feels like right now that route is still the more sustainable method, not only for new teams coming in, but also for F1. And whilst that model is perhaps the more sustainable one from a financial perspective in the short term. It's obviously not the sh- the uh, the popular one amongst fans.
0: Yeah, definitely that that's obviously easy through it because like new teams can't argue they're taking away value because you're just replacing an existing team. But I think the way it currently is, I can't. I don't think any teams for sale really. I mean, there's been rumours that AlphaTauri might be up for sale if Red Bull get the right deal, but that's all very heavy speculation at the moment. Like Red Bull have said nothing on the matter, and I think. Williams came out and denied that they were up for sale. So I think most of the teams now, I mean, you'd be mad to sell now. Like, stay in the sport while it's good. Like, you've gone through the hard times. Like, it's now time to reap the reward, really. Like, yeah, I think teams are going to have to... Well, I think that is the easiest way to get in. But I think there's no teams that want to sell right now, which makes a total sense. And I'm just going back to Turtle Wolf's quote. i would be interested in how he got to that figure, because obviously that that seems absurdly high. Like, I, I don't doubt it's up near that. But a billion seems really high like, i think i don't know he he's mean literally from start from ground zero if he's starting from nothing because i think with andretti they've got the big bonus obviously they're already a racing team like they've got a factory bill i know they need to do some additions then they're currently doing those additions for f1 but they're not they're not starting from nothing really so at least they've got that yeah uh, base to build on yeah. really like and also there are ways to save money in f1 like you can buy your power unit and you can buy wind tunnel time and you can sort of save bits and pieces like that so whether toto's estimation was from literally nothing to becoming a race winning team i think a billion is probably billion plus more would cost you that but there are ways you can save money in f1 that mean you're not going to spend that high figure so yeah i think that's fair enough for him to say but We'll see if that comes true, really.
1: Yeah, very true. I mean, you know, we look at Mercedes and how they got into F1. Obviously, they bought into an existing team themselves, become a manufacturer, as we all expected them to. And it's quite a hard exercise, really, for teams to try and, you know, start from the ground up. Of course, Andretti, as you mentioned, wouldn't necessarily be a team starting from the ground up. I think it's probably rather an exceptional case, whereas perhaps someone like a Panfera, for example, probably would be more of a team that has mm-hmm. to do it from the ground up and obviously see how that would go. As well as, ser- well, they seem quite serious, but you know, figures like that seem more of a deterrent at this point to protect that sustainable model that F1 currently has. And perhaps for the existing teams in the short term, that is the best model going forward. And uh, I'd imagine if they wanted, if someone like a mega, mega entry come in, and I'm not just talking about Andretti Cadillac, because at the time we, I was certainly talking about them as that mega, mega entry as a manufacturer that would bring a huge tangible... Uh, benefit to the sport in terms of revenue growth and expansion it feels like unless it's something crazy like that and Andretti Cadillac is the real deal and I will get into what I mean by that in a moment because there is a bit of a cynical approach you could apply to this particular entry it just doesn't seem that the teams are going to get on board with it quite frankly
0: no yeah I think if you're not going to accept Cadillac then like there's a very few small limit of teams that you will accept I think Turtle Wolf in particular has always been very more much more receptive to the Audi bid I think that's some of the interesting I don't know if it's that German connection with Mercedes and they sort of trust that Audi would do a good job but yeah I think the bar is set very very high for teams to sort of accept you as one of their own really like they need to see I don't know who's bigger than Cadillac but like Ford or someone like that or someone like a huge huge name getting it like that would only be the way a team could get in imagine i think like we obviously seen that porsche having their troubles getting in like it's no it's no done deal even if you are a huge name both in racing and just car manufacturing in general yeah so like it's not an easy task for anyone really to get into the grid i I think andretti have a better chance than most but i'd i'd love to see the other names that have sort of been rumored or linked with a spot or trying to get a spot at least
1: yeah very true um you know and, and as you pointed out earlier it's one of those right now that Whilst the teams want to protect that sustainable model, obviously they need to make sure that, uh, you know, that this Andretti-Cadillac deal is, is the real deal. And of course, if they'd have come a few years ago before the expansion was really happening in the US, perhaps it would have been the right time to get on board of it. But going on, we're already having that expansion and the only thing missing is a proper American F1 team. But does F1 really need one? Maybe, but it's not exactly something the teams probably share in terms of what they would want for F1 going forward to try and create extra revenue and improve this expansion and growth. One thing I did want to talk about, and this is kind of the cynical analysis of Andretti's Cadillac bid and the F1 teams, from what we understand of the process, Sam, and what we talked about before in the last episode, it's going to be a very private process. You know, the public, the general public won't necessarily be privy to the details of this application until they are made public. And at that point it could be accepted or it could be denied at this point, And we may not know the details of it at all. And that's something that concerns the teams because what they would want to scrutinise, and I've heard a few people mention this, and this isn't my opinion. This is, you know, a few people that I've spoken to about this and they've mentioned this particular opinion on the Andretti Cadillac bid is, is this just an Andretti uh, with a Cadillac badge put on it or General Motors badge on it? Is it a badging exercise? I think is a better phrase. Or is this the real deal? Because you could compare it to Aston Martin, for example, you know, we had the Racing Point team, Lawrence Stroll wanted to bring Aston Martin into Formula One, but he basically purchased the rights to put the branding on the car and call it Aston Martin and everything that the team represents, represents the car company as a whole, but it's not actually Aston Martin, technically speaking, Um You know, it kind of is by name, but it's not, you know, they don't use the Aston Martin facilities. They don't use the technical knowledge. They don't use any of the know-how or anything like that. It's literally racing point, but with the Aston Martin branding attributed to it and everything that comes from it. Is the Andretti Cadillac bid the same thing? Is it just Andretti paying a lot of money to General Motors and Cadillac to say, look we've got an opportunity to get into F1. We need you to put your name to this. We need you to put your badge to this so that it gains a bit of traction. It gains a bit of prestige. People think that we're a manufacturer team, but they're not actually using their technology. We're not actually using their know-how. We're not using their facilities. Um, We're just paying them for the rights to put their branding on our bid so that it looks more prospective and that people think we're an actual manufacturer team when the reality is they're they're not in that regard. Um, I mean, what do you make of that? Do you feel that that's Anywhere near accurate with Andretti, or do you feel that that's just a concern the F1 teams are trying to put forward to potentially scupper this potential bid?
0: Um, I think Cadillac will help. I think they'll be definitely, they'll share their knowledge. I think it's key to point out that they're not making their own engine, at least in the start start of the coming out. So I think it's fair to say that whatever car it would be, if it does get to the grid, will most likely be a Renault with a with a not an alpine badge sorry but an andretti slash cadillac badge slapped onto it because it's not something they're going to do themselves i think there were talks that they were going to sort of look into that obviously they've got but then again they've got an existing relationship with honda do um cadillac so it'd be sort of make sense for them to go to them um that's another thing entirely really like if, if you start creating your own car entirely in-house there are very few teams that do that obviously Mercedes do that, Ferrari do that, and Red Bull are, are close to doing that. They're sort of moving everything on base now as it is, and obviously Alpine do it as well. But yeah, it's that's sort of the next level. It's it's getting on one thing, getting onto the grid as a customer team, and then it's another thing entirely, sort of becoming your own independent team. Whether I mean, it's hard to know what the relationship between Andretti and um, General Motors is. I think it's the perfect relationship for them, really. That. Andretti have the desire to get on the grid, like they've always wanted to do it, but they just have, didn't have sort of that name backing behind them. So they found the perfect partner in GM, who, who said before they wanted to get F1, but they didn't really have the right time. And they said they were convinced by Andretti to do it now. So I think it's a perfect partnership, really. I have, I have no doubt that about eighty percent of the work will be done by Andretti. Like I feel like that's been made pretty clear, just the way both parties have talked. But I think Cadillac would be mad not to put some of their expertise into it because if, if at the end of the day that car is representing their brand especially that's obviously another huge reason why they've got into the sport is sort of changed that public perception of cadillac i don't know about you but when i think of cadillac i think of massive cars that t- can't turn around corners so like they're definitely trying to sort of refresh their brand similar to what mercedes did 10 10 12 years ago whatever it is now but yeah i think there will be i mean it's just something we won't know really till the operation gets going properly but i think the large part will be done by Andre C and i don't really share the opinion that cadillac are just there to be a name i think they will have some input because they're they're a racing team as well obviously in different series they're not entirely new to racing so i think yeah they will have some i think there'll be a point of pride as well really sort of say well, yeah we helped with this we made this car a reality
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think I should mention for the benefit of uh, integrity on this show that, you know, I'm not merely I'm not suggesting at all that this is a badging exercise from Mandretti. And I'm certainly not putting words in your mouth, Sam, that that is what you think either. Um, and I agree with you on this one. I definitely think that there is a level of legitimacy to Cadillac and General Motors interest in being a part of this uh, as a manufacturer. With Andretti rather than it just being a case of like what happened with Aston Martin and Racing Point where they just agreed, yeah, that's fine. You can brand this as an Aston Martin and just carry on as you were um, and everything that comes from that. It's just a perspective that I believe that some of the teams will most likely have or put forward in an attempt to make sure that they appropriately scrutinize this bid from Andretti Cadillac because of course as we said already it's going to be a very private process we may only get so much detail from the application if any at all from the FAA they haven't really outlined how this process is going to look or what it's you know how public this is going to be I imagine if it's the real deal perhaps Mohamed Bentalli might be more willing to make it more public or if it's not quite as we'd hoped it would be originally they might try and keep a few details under wraps to those that don't really necessarily need to know I mean you talked about this earlier, Sam, uh, with Andretti, and I think a lot of this need for scrutineering this potential application from the F1 teams has probably come from, you know, previous things that have happened with Andretti. For example, how the Sauber deal fell through, obviously, you know, the, the lack of agreement on the ownership of the uh, the entity and obviously some of the financial figures involved with that. And also what happened in Miami when uh, Mario Andretti was running around with a petition at that event, trying to get some of the F1 teams to sign it to sort of back their bid into the sport with only McLaren and Alpine actually signing it. So it's it's one of those where they kind of risk putting a few noses out a joint. And I kind of feel that that might be why Mario Andretti has aligned with the FIA on this one to put this bid through rather than the F1 teams in the more traditional sense. Do you think that's a bit of a mistake? from Andretti's side, do you feel that they have potentially put a few no- too many noses out of joint um, and especially doing so even more by aligning with the FIA in terms of their route to try and get in rather than the F1 teams?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's fair. I think, as we've mentioned, that they're definitely the most public, well, most forward-facing bid out there. And I think that's a tactic they've used because I think they've sort of relied on themselves being this established racing brand and they've sort of made a point of being... A team that they think fans want they're trying to use fan pressure to get other teams to agree with them and sort of paint f1 and f1 teams as the bad guy really not letting us in kind of thing um I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a bit of not bad blood but like just bad feeling about the way they've gone about it the way they've been so public like you said with michael andre running rounding running around the grid trying to get people to sign was probably not something that pleased the eight teams that didn't sign but yeah i mean it's just been a very open it's been i mean it's been interesting from our our perspective because obviously we've sort of seen this bid evolve really like we've seen it first come in as like you mentioned like this how the takeover that didn't work and then and then about this time last year they sort of announced that okay we've put the bid in and we didn't really know what that meant this time last year what they submitted a bid but no one knew exactly what that meant and it's been slow process since then and they've got the gm announcement and now the expression of interest so yeah i think it's been interesting from our point of view to see how this thing develops but as a team as an existing team it's probably not how they do business i think i think f1 is generally there's not a lot of open negotiation i think it's very much behind closed doors and we only sort of find out until it's been completed really i mean i think the most recent example obviously was the cost cap of red bull like no one really knew what was going on until it was announced officially what was going on but Yeah, I I can't imagine he's made too many friends uh, in the paddock with the way they've gone about it. But I think from their point of view, that was their best chance of getting on the grid is sort of harnessing fan power and fan pressure to sort of make them seem like, okay, we're the fans team. Fans want us here. Like, you can see that. And whether they are wrong to line the FIA, I'm not sure really, because I think that's quite a valuable ally to have. Because if they're getting a warmer reception from the FIA than they are from F1, then it sort of makes sense to put all your eggs in the FIA basket because at least that's one half that's done. That's one half that's been sorted. So I yeah, I don't blame them for the way they've gone about it, but I can sort of understand why certain teams wouldn't be too pleased how it's how it's happened really.
1: I mean it makes me question the actual process or how it currently exists for new prospective entries to come into the sport before this application process or expression of interest was announced by Mohamed bin Salah. Because from a fan perspective, it's not a good look for Formula One or the Formula One teams in general if they want to try and put potential blockers or obstacles for new entries coming in, especially at a point where the announcement by Mohammed bin Salah was so well received by the general public or F1 fans as a whole. Um, And I don't think it's a coincidence either that Andretti Cadillac, if you like, the bid immediately followed Ben Salim's expression of interest uh, tweet. I, I imagine when you were invited to cover that particular press conference, that that probably caught you a little bit by surprise. But obviously, immediately in the aftermath, when you'd seen the timeline of events, how they happened, it probably... Probably t- ticked in your mind um, that, oh, OK, there've probably been some discussions between Andretti and the FIA on this. And obviously these announcements being so close to each other, it was not a coincidence at all. There's obviously a lot of work going on behind the scenes before it was all put together.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's all sort of started aligned. I think Andretti was talking to GM for about four or five months before this deal was made public, at least. And Yeah, like I said, it was a bit of a surprise, really, to see uh, Andretti and General Motors making a joint announcement because everyone sort of wandered what this is about even if it was about f1 um yeah i think there have been a lot of workings together like it obviously makes sense start of a new year get this process rolling and i think it's good at least that now there's sort of an official way to get into f1 even if it's still a bit murky on exactly what that is like at least now there's a process teams can follow and this is sort of obviously everyone's now the guinea pigs of this process to see what what's involved with it i think the, i think the details of it are going to be finalized by the end of this month so hopefully they're made public so we can all see what these teams are being judged on i mean i can't imagine the bids will be made public until if ever really if if they get failed i can't imagine any team will publicly announce that but um yeah i think it's good that a process now is involved and like you said i think there has been a lot of workings with the FIA and andretti but saying that i think the FIA probably done that with a lot of teams that we just don't know about. I think Andretti have just been the most vocal on that front. I think and FIA are quite good at working with teams who want in. Really, like they'll, as long as you've shown you're serious and you have the money and the technical capabilities, like they'll treat you as they would have Andretti. I guess.
1: Well, this is where the political storm starts to take shape right now. I mean, we talked about the money side of things, and you know, and and the relationship between Andretti and the existing F1 teams and F1 as a whole, not necessarily being the most uh, welcoming at this point, or warm, if you like. And, you know, from what I understand, the current Concord Agreement, whilst I haven't read it back to front, does currently give F1, uh, as the commercial rights holder, a veto over to whether, uh, whether or not to go beyond the 10 teams as it currently exists. And for me, given that F1 are going to align themselves with the current F1 teams or what they want, they're going to back them wholeheartedly, it does feel that right now this process is almost held a little bit to ransom unless Andretti and any other teams that want to come into the sport with the uh, assistance of the FIA, I suppose, in this process, can actually prove to these teams that this is actually financially viable for them to allow new teams coming into the sport. It it does feel that that's where the stalemate is going to be.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think after this FIA process is done, that by no means means the the war's over, really. That's just the first battle, really. I think the much harder task of convincing the F1 teams their worthwhile bid sort of starts then really like I don't think the F1 are ever going to overrule the F1 teams because they're very much dependent on them like they need to make sure they're happy and like because they've sort of they're sort of putting the right dire- the same direction really because obviously if F1 does well the F1 teams do well and if the F1 teams do well then the F1 does well so it's it's a very nice partnership between the two and like they're never really going to disagree that much on the, with each other so yeah I think I think, I think um, Andretti's sort of aiming for a 2025 bid. Like I think even that is optimistic, and that's, what, three seasons away from now. So I think there is still a lot of work to be done. This is something that's going to drag on and on, even as the season gets going. I think the drama of it and the politics of it has sort of been heightened by the fact that it is in the off-season. There's not a lot of topics to go about. Because imagine if this was a, during a season, like we would have had the announcement that we would have had probably two or three more races since then, and it would have seemed like old news. But because... There's not that that race and not that focal point. And we haven't even had the car launches yet. There's not something to take our minds off of, really. This this new sort of rumbles on slowly, slowly. And I think it is something that is going to take a long time. Like, it's going to get... I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the end of this year and there's not been a definite answer one way or another. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect... If there's any Andressi fans listening, I wouldn't expect to start buying the team colours anytime soon. I think you're going to have to wait a few more years for that. I I think this isn't a process that's going to be over anytime soon. I think it's something that is going to carry on even as the season gets back underway.
1: Yeah, that is very, very true. And, you know, for me, I've heard a few people mention, you know, because of the souring relationship between, you know, the Andretti clan, if you like, and the existing Formula One teams, mostly owing to how... I suppose vocal dressy have been on getting an F1 team into the sport and perhaps how they've used that fan power, if you like, as a political move to try and put pressure on the existing F1 teams as well as aligning with the FIA rather than going down the F1 and F1 teams route in trying to get a team on the grid as it was done so often in the past. It feels to me that, as some people have mentioned to me, that the solution to this seems to be that perhaps Mario Andretti, Michael Andretti and Cadillac GM need to get together, present a presentation to the F1 teams in in a meeting, it doesn't have to necessarily be private, with the FIA sort of hosting it, where they can present themselves to these teams and say, look, this is what we're doing this is the bid that we're going to make, this is a manufacturer bid, this is not going to be Andretti with a Cadillac GM badge on it, Um and, and this is the financial tangible benefit that it's going to offer to you guys in F1 with either the 200 million anti-dilution fund or something a little bit bigger, depending on what you'd agree with. Do you feel that that's potentially the best solution right now if, if for an Andretti perspective? And also, do you feel that Andretti should do that?
0: Um... I don't think that uh, I don't think the teams would agree to sit around tonight, really. I think this this meth this these kind of deals sort of happen in a phone call somewhere, like this off chance meeting. I think it's very rare that I mean it's hard enough to get the team principals in a room anyway, even if it's not to do with another team joining. Like this is they're very busy people, and I also think this is just a bad time of year for it really, because obviously we've just come at the end of a really long season. So like, and like fair enough, all these people have gone on on massive holidays. They've been away for weeks. And then when they come back, they'd much rather be focusing on their new car, the new season ahead, rather than thinking about this team that wants to get in. So yeah, I'm sure Andretti would love to sit them all down and sort of explain why it's it's better for them and like what's going to happen. But I don't think that's realistic. I don't think the team principal would all agree with that. And also, I think there's... I think you sort of have to have a different negotiation tactic really with each team. Like I think some of that Mercedes wants, isn't going to be the same thing that Haas wants. like each team principal is going to want something different to be, to show the, the bids worthwhile and Andre's sort of got to find that happy medium saying that this is what we can bring and this is what we can do really. So yeah, I think as much as Steve love to get them all in a room and sort of not let them leave till they agree with him. I just don't think that's realistic. Like these little all, incredibly busy busy people like they just don't have that time in their calendar or I mean why would they want to really if they've already sort of made up their mind like that's fair enough they don't have to sit and listen to what you've got to say so I think yeah I think the the approach they'll take is and I've no doubt this has already started happening is sort of like trying to have secret not secret meetings but meetings behind closed doors that aren't that public and sort of sort of hash out what each team wants really to show that they do have a viable option really
1: and I think that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? Because if you're an F1 fan hearing that, my heart almost sinks a little bit because I actually want this Andretti bid to go through, assuming that it is legitimate, as Andretti are currently claiming that it, that it is at the moment. I don't want this to be a badging exercise. I want this to be a proper American manufacturer team. And I certainly hope that it is rather than what we're seeing on the surface right now. We'll just have to wait and see when the details do come out. And I'm sure they will in due course. But I don't think that's actually a bad idea. And I agree as you mentioned, you know, rightly so that there has to be a level of compromise, not only from Andretti, but also from the existing F1 teams to be a bit open-minded to say, okay, we're going to provide you the forum to hear you out. And if you can prove to us that this is a mega bid, as you so rightfully claim, then we can look at potentially seeing if your application can go through and try and get you on the grid for 2026, because we're not talking about getting them on the grid anytime soon. You know, this is something that's going to be happening in a few years time, but I just feel that There has to be a level of compromise on both sides to make this happen. I feel like if the F1 teams are going to be, you know, put in a position where they're under pressure to try and, you know, accept these new entries. But obviously, if they're not being willing enough to be open minded and allow teams to, you know, put forward an entry and if they're not good, they can rightfully say, well, you're not good enough so you can't come in the fan perception of these existing teams is going to get worse and worse. And something that you, rem- I remember you saying specifically on this show last time you were on, Sam, was the American market saying, well, you're obviously interested in our money, but you're not interested in us taking part. That could obviously have a huge um, detrimental hit on the potential of growth and expansion in the American market that F1 has done so much to actually gr- actually create for themselves over the last five years.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I think that's a very valid reason, a very valid point that I've definitely heard a few fans say that before, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Haas lean into it more now, having got that title sponsor of an American company and like Andretti can say that they're an American team and they've sort of got that behind them. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if this season coming that we see Haas really lean into their American roots, really. They don't have that Russian sponsor anymore. They have this American sponsor and they their headquarters, let's not forget, even if none of the car or not a lot of the car gets made there is is in america so i think andretti's argument that they're the only american team is obviously a strong one because they're sort of claiming that we're going to make the whole car over there it's going to be very much an american team but i wouldn't be surprised if Hass sort of say like oh, okay look andretti's trying to claim to be america's team let's really ramp up our efforts let's show that we are america's team because they they are branded as america's team like in f1 has are currently so yeah I think it's a perfect opportunity for Haas, really. Andretti is the ones saying there's a market for it. They should be the ones that sweep it up, really.
1: No, absolutely. I think that would probably be a good thing for American F1 racing. I mean, it's probably not the solution that uh, if you ask the average American F1 fan right now that they probably won. But I think if Haas are to embrace their American roots and heritage a little bit more than they currently do, I don't think many people would complain about that. And perhaps that is something... They themselves need to expand into a little bit more other than just saying, yeah, we're the American team as soon as they turn up to Miami, Vegas or even Cota at this point in time, where obviously that's what we see at the current point in time. Um, I mean, a, a lot to talk about and it's going to be quite an interesting process. I suppose the final question for this one, Sam, is, you know, we've talked a lot about andretti already. There are other prospective entries. Obviously, you covered Pantera in great depth the last time that we talked to each other. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of developments with that particular project and any more coming out of the woodwork rather than just being uh, very private at this point in time I suppose we don't know at this point how many prospective entries there are we've only heard of Andretti and you know thanks to journalists like yourself Pantera as well in a bit more detail but with what we've seen from Andretti right now if this proves to be the real deal and they are serious and they have all that backing from General Motors and Cadillac the financial backing as well the uh, the facilities and everything that points to the direction of this should this application being accepted, but it doesn't get accepted because the F1 teams put a blocker on it. Is that going to be the nail in the coffin for any potential teams coming in? Because right now, other than the two that we've talked about, I can't really imagine a much more suitable entry coming into the sport than those two at this point in time. And that could put off potential new entries from coming into the sport if they're not even close to replicating that
0: yeah definitely i think this Andre is sort of the litmus test really like they're sort of the guinea pigs seeing how this new situation works and and if they don't succeed then you're right like uh, there will be a lot of people thinking oh if they can't do it then we've got no chance so like i think it is quite a pivotal moment i'm still very pessimistic i think we will get to 2026 and we'll still have 10 teams on the grid what 10 teams they'll be i'm not entirely sure at the moment but i think yeah it's looking if I mean if you asked me to put money on it right now i'd say that there's not gonna be a lot of change and i say this andretti bid as it is just doesn't seem like it's going to happen really because of they've had such a fierce backlash from the f1 teams and they don't seem to be shifting really no matter what they say so yeah i think you're right to say that they're sort of paving the way for these new teams to come forward and if Andretti and a huge company like general motors can't get in then yeah if then what other chances have people other people got really
1: yeah, and sadly, I kind of share those sentiments as well on that one. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to feel a little bit more upbeat about Andretti's entry, then go a few weeks back and listen to the last one that we did because we were a lot more positive about it then. But of course, we're still in the very early stages. We've only heard rumours and whispers and certain voices, given their opinions, we'll just have to wait and see what comes out as you mentioned Sam a little bit later on in the year when this application process takes shape a little more but of course a huge political storm seems to be brewing and I definitely feel that this is going to be the talk of the season outside the racing of course which I'm hoping will be the main event but Sam before we sign off um, just to let our followers who haven't seen your great work um, where can they follow you on social media for more insight from yourself
0: So on Twitter, I'm Sam Cooper with an underscore after it. And then on Instagram, it's Sam Cooper F1. And I will say I'm going to the Alpine car launch. So if you want to see behind the scenes footage of that and like the first view of the car, then make sure you're following those two accounts for February 16th, I believe is their date off the top of my head. But yeah, make sure you're following those two.
1: Yeah, I believe that's about right. I think um, thinking about Alpha Tauri might be the latest one. I think I know Haas haven't announced theirs yet, but of mm-hmm. course, you know, plenty to look forward to with the car launches. I sincerely hope that when you do go to the Alpine launch, Sam, that they will actually show you a car. Rather than, yeah, if I what see a Renault digital did. render
0: on a screen, then I won't be very happy. I will, I came all the way for this, I mean, so what... yeah, hopefully, there's a real car, and hopefully, there's a real Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, hopefully, they're brothers in arms rather than obviously mm. what a lot of fans have been hearing over the past, you know, which has kind of led to why this potential battle between the two of them could be quite spicy for 2023. But of course, that's all speculation and conjecture at this point. Um, yeah, and I absolutely agree. Hopefully, they do provide a real car for you. I, I mean, what's your take on these launches? As a fan, I know that a few teams are like to make a big song and dance over I know Ferrari do a very private thing now, but it's a bit of a show. I know Mercedes did their uh, Sky Sports coverage last season of their new car, and then we had Red Bull pretty much rolling out the um, the F1 2022 spec car rather than their own one with a livery. I'm expecting them to do the same thing given their launches on the 3rd of February, like n- nearly two weeks before the Alpine run, for example. So, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on these car launches? Do you think that they should just be scrapped or do you feel that they should just try and make a big show of it like they used to back in the early 2000s?
0: Um, I like them. I think they've, they've got their place to sort of get people excited for the season. I mean, I'm under no impression that any of the cars we see in the next few weeks are going to be the same ones we see on the track in Bahrain. Like, I think you're right to say that they're going to be entirely different by the time we see them come out. But, yeah, I think it is worth doing. I think it's exciting to get sort of see the teams again because obviously the last time we saw these teams in action was a few months ago now yeah so i can understand why people don't like them i think it's sort of leaning into that netflix drive to survive kind of drama sort of like pandering to the audience but there then again i think it, it does it is better like i think it's an enjoyable event to see what these teams come up with creative wise and yeah hopefully the new york ones at least are something different than we usually see
1: yeah definitely um, but we'll have to wait and see of course guys and we'll be talking about each of the new cars for 2023 what we like what we don't like and of course what we feel they need to work on for next season but until next time guys thank you so much for tuning in and of course if you have enjoyed this episode make sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel let us know your comments on the potential political storm brewing between the FIA and the F1 teams regarding the Andretti bid and any prospective new bids coming into the sport whose side are you on? Which, team, which side, I suppose, should have control of this process or should there be a bit of input from everyone? We'll have to wait and see. But of course, if you're listening to us on your favourite podcasting platform, make sure to leave us a five-star review. We did get a five-star review on Spotify recently, which, of course, thank you so much for doing that. But please let us know that you've done that because, of course, on Spotify, it doesn't tell us who's done them. So if you want to shout out, get in touch with us on our social medias and of course you'll see those in the show notes so let us know so we can give you a shout out on the next episode but until next time guys thank you so much for tuning in please stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast and remember as always if you're not first you're probably dnf1 Podcast Network.